Well, let's jump into uh, this study of faith here that we see in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Let me read those first uh, few verses, and I would just give a little shout-out to our, all of our young people that are here with us in the service. We're glad that, that all of you are here with, with parents today as we uh, worship the Lord together. Let's read this uh, 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, the first few verses, to remind us of where we started with an introduction to faith last week. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was, was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. A good simple working definition of faith that we started with last week is faith is believing God. Simple definition. There's other definitions we could use, but just very simply, faith is believing God. Not just believing in the idea of God, not just believing there is a God, but believing God. Believing what God said, believing what God's Word says, believing what God's Word says to you and to me. I believe that. I, I live it out. I, we, we talked about saving faith, putting our faith in the person of Jesus Christ, in the work of Jesus and what he did for us. Recognizing, uh, by faith, recognize that I need a Savior and that Christ is the answer to the sin issue that I have, covering the wage of sin that I owed by faith. I believe Jesus died for my sins, was put in a grave, and three days later he rose again, conquering death, rising again. So again, faith is believing God, believing what Christ did for me. Today we're going to continue in this text and begin to learn about what some of the individuals within this hall of faith, what they have to teach us about faith. We'll start with Enoch today. As we talk about him, we don't want to just learn something just for the sake of learning it. We want to learn something so we can apply the truth into our lives so that truth can transform us. We can restore God's ideal in our own lives. And I would just say that maybe you're here today and you have never embraced Christ as your Savior. And we're so glad that you're here. And I, my prayer is that as we talk today, that, that God will use what we talk about to draw you into a relationship with him. Or maybe you're here, to, and we're, we'll pray at the end, we'll give you a chance to embrace Christ as your Savior. Or maybe you're here today, and you're, uh, you're just checking things out, and you're, you're exploring faith, and maybe today is another step in your, the journey that God has you on that will ultimately someday lead to you deciding to embrace Christ as your Savior. So we're praying for you. We're glad that you're here. All of us have something to learn today about ourselves, about faith, and how we can apply this text. Hebrews chapter 11, let's look at verse 4 then as we go on. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever, who would, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Enoch was one of those early patriarchs of the faith. An interesting fun fact about Enoch is he's one of only two people that never tasted death. There's also only three individuals that were taken to heaven alive. One was Enoch. The other, Jesus, of course. When uh, he died, uh, put in a grave, but then he rose from the dead and he was taken alive to, to heaven. But the, the third one, some of you probably know that story of Elijah. There's a great story in the Old Testament how Elijah was taken by God in a fiery chariot in a whirlwind up to heaven. So only those three were taken alive. And so we study today Enoch. In addition to what we learn about Enoch here in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a couple other 
places in Scripture, there are passages that talk about Enoch. Let's read the other two, and they're brief, so let's look at them and see what God has to teach us as we expand our kind of a knowledge of what the Scripture has to tell, teach us about him, and then we'll apply it to our lives. So Genesis chapter 5 is where we see his story originally. It says in verse 21 that when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Any 65-year-olds that would love to have another child? So he fathered another child. It says that Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah for 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So again, Enoch lived at the very beginning of human history. He's one of those early patriarchs. Patriarchs. He lived in the time just prior to Noah. He was the great-grandfather of Noah, but it was still, like Noah's day, a very difficult time, a morally depraved time. Both the Hebrews passage and this Genesis passage tell us that Enoch was taken. Now, what does that mean? When we put those two, two passages together, we understand that taken means that he didn't see death. Maybe a little confusing just to hear it, him walking with God and the scripture says that he was not. Well, that means that God took him. He didn't see death. So he walked with God, walked by faith, and God in that relationship decides just to take him to heaven. Skips that death piece of life. And then there's one final place where we see scripture talking about Enoch. We see it in Jude, the 14th and 15th verses. Let me read it for us. And it was also, and it was also said about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying... Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they, were committing, that they had committed in such ungodly ways and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners had spoken upon him. So what we learn here about Enoch is that he was a prophet. We don't see that in the other passages, but it kind of just rounds out what we know of Enoch. That he was a prophet. A prophet was someone who speaks for God. A prophet was someone who delivers the message from God. God's message to his people. And the message that Enoch delivers is a message of impending judgment. Judgment because of the corruption and the, the wickedness of that society had taken hold. And so God sends him to warn them. There's a lot of things that we see in Scripture that can be related to our day. And this is one of those. And we see that often. Similar in our day, we see moral decay, we see ethical compromise, we see the erosion of traditional values, we see the societal changes that result in dishonesty and greed and morality and justice, and the list goes on and on and on. And so there are some similarities, but what we see in Enoch's life is that despite those things, he remained faithful. An encouragement to us that as we live and endure those things in our own culture, in our own society, that we, with God's help, we also can remain faithful. And we see with Enoch that he inherited this heavenly home. And so again, as we are faithful and as we live out our faith and walk with God and walk in ways that please God, that we, by faith, can also expect to, to have that same heavenly inheritance that he is enjoying. By faith, we can long for that day. And so we've read the passages, read what, we, uh, what Scripture has to teach us about Enoch. How can we then apply what, we've, what we have read about and what we've learned into our own lives. First, I think that Enoch teaches us that walking by faith is the key to walking with God. That by faith, that faith, again, is key. It's that common denominator that we see in the hall of faith, that they all were people of faith. And again, faith, as we talked about last week, it wasn't about what they did for God. 
but that they believed God. They lived out their faith. It says in Hebrews, when it talks about Enoch, that he was commended for his faith. Even before God took him, that he was commended for his faith. Think about your own life. What do people commend you for? If people were to say something about your life, what do they commend you for? For him, he was commended for his faith. What a, what a thing to be commended for. We see that. We read it last week in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. The righteous shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. This is what it looks like to, uh, to, to live a life pleasing to God, living a life of faith, a life believing God, and living like we believe God. Scripture tells us that he walked with God. He pleased God. Those terms all interchangeable. Walking with God, believing God, living a life pleasing to him. That's what we want to be commended for. And there's that picture that we can almost imagine of, of Enoch walking with God, having that type of relationship. Uh, Chris and I, when we get home in the evenings, a lot of times we like to take the dogs out for a walk. And yeah, I'm one of those weird people that have two dogs. <laughs> Some people have more. Uh, and so we take our dogs out uh, for a walk. And so I, I get to walk the dog that is like walking a kite. Maybe you have a dog like that that's just all over the place. And then Crystal has the kind of the chilled out a dog that's, that's a little more laid back as, as, uh, as, as she walks. But as we, as we walk, there's, there's times that, we, that we, we talk about our day and we're able to converse and, and we walk and we talk and we interact and we share life with one another. And then there's other times that we just walk in silence. No need to talk. Just being present. Just walking in relationship. And that's the picture that Scripture chooses to talk about the relationship that Enoch had with God, that he walked with him. He took time to be with him. They talked with each other. They walked together. Sometimes it's just good to be. And, and, I, and I can imagine that that's part of what it was for Enoch to walk with God, just to be with God. Walking step in step not even the need to converse. It makes me think of Jesus and his, with his disciples and how they walked everywhere and how they would be in proximity and, and that Jesus would teach and tell stories. And, and then there were times, I'm sure, that they would just walk. Just being. And again, that's that picture of what it looks like to le live a life that pleases God, that we walk with him, that we believe we walk by faith. We're transformed by being with Jesus. In the New Testament, there's several scriptures that talk about, talks about how important it is to walk by faith, to walk with Jesus. First Peter 2 talks about that. Colossians 2 talks about it. As you've received Jesus Christ, the Lord, so walk in him. So I walk by faith. I walk believing God and believing God's word to me. And again, it's that simple definition, believing God. That's the way I walk. That's the way I live my life. I live my life believing God. It's easy, if you've ever been walking with someone, to just kind of get ahead of them. Not even to realize that, that they've fallen behind. And, and so like with Crystal and I, we've, I've certainly done that before. And you look back and she's way behind. And whatever was going on, whether she had to tie her shoe or the dog had to do its thing or whatever, that you... Just didn't even realize that you had walked 
past them. Chris and I had only been married, a story I've told before, many of you though haven't heard it, it was a long time ago. Uh, Chris and I had been married very long, and we had gone with my parents to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And it was a holiday weekend, so there were people absolutely everywhere, you know, 10 deep everywhere you went. And so we're walking along. We were newlyweds, so what, what do newlyweds do? You hold hands everywhere you go. And so we're holding hands, walking down the streets of Gatlinburg, and there was some post or some telephone pole, whatever, whatever it was, in the middle of the, of the sidewalk. And again, we're in the throng of humanity. And Chris and I, we, we let go of our hands, and we walk on each of us on either side of, the, of, of whatever that was. It was in the sidewalk, again, in the throng of people. And then as we get on the other side, Crystal grabs my hand. And we keep walking, except she didn't grab my hand. She grabbed this super old guy's hand. And she's walking down the sidewalk with this guy. And I'm walking behind them with the wife of the old guy. And we're having a really good time. Crystal realizes what she had done. And she's so embarrassed. And she's apologizing to the guy. And she's apologizing to the, to the wife. And, and the wife says to, says to Crystal, Oh, honey, don't worry about it. You made his day. How many times in our lives are we walking along and we just realize that we've, we've left the Savior? Maybe we're ahead of the Savior, maybe we're behind the Savior. Maybe in some, some times in our lives we've even grabbed the hand of someone else or something else. And we're not walking with Christ. We read this passage and it has something to say to us. It has something to say to us about walking with God. We don't need to lag behind. We don't need to get ahead. We need to make sure that as we're walking through this life, we're walking with Christ. We need that continuous, ongoing relationship with him, that consistent walk of faith, by faith, believing him, trusting him, walking in his footsteps by faith, not getting ahead, not falling behind. Walking by faith, it it, it means that we walk acknowledging his presence with us. Seeking his guidance through prayer and as we look into his word and as we study and as we try to apply it to our lives, we're aligning our, our, our actions with the principles and the truth that we find in his word. We rely on the strength and the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit that can be alive in us. It involves cultivating that deep personal relationship with God, allowing him to lead and transform and restoring his ideal in us, shaping our lives after the after the ideal of Jesus. And overall, it means that I live this dynamic, transformative journey as I surrender my will to his, as I take his hand and walk with him, following his guidance, experience the abundant, experiencing the abundant life that he has to offer. It's a call to live in communion, to abide with Jesus. Walk with God. You know, it teaches us that. I walk by faith. He also teaches us, teaches us, I think, as we live by faith, that I live with hope of my own eternal heavenly destination. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to what the great theologian and once upon a time bodybuilder Arnold Schwarzenegger had to say this week. Um, he's not really a theologian. I don't know if you knew that, but I was just joking. It really helps me when I say something that's even mildly funny if you just respond back just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I know. I mean, I know I'm not going on tour and I'm not opening up in any comedy club. I get that. But 
help a guy out at least a little bit, okay? It's, it doesn't get any better than that. What I, you'll say, so, okay. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, the great theologian. Okay. That was better, but it felt forced. So, okay. So he's talking to his good friend, Danny DeVito. And they're, ta- and they're talking and they, and they get off on this really serious subject. And, and he, says, he says, I really feel uncomfortable talking about death. He doesn't like the subject. And then he shared his thoughts about heaven. He said this, it's a fantasy. Arnold Schwarzenegger said, when people talk about it, that I'll see them again in heaven. He said, it sounds so good, so good but the reality is we won't see each other again after we're gone. That's the sad part. What a sad view. What a hopeless view. That there's nothing beyond this life is the, is the idea that he's communicating. What a pessimistic view of life and death without faith. But that's not the view that we have. That's not the view that Enoch teaches us. That's not the view that Scripture teaches us. As, as people of faith, we, we know that there's a different story that, that we, like Enoch, we, we can expect that there will be a day if, if death takes us in this life, that there will be a day that, 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 or if Christ comes back, that we can be with him as we walk by faith. We can be with him forever. There's a hope beyond this world. This world is not our home. We talk about that a lot, to be reminded of that. That I can walk with my God and as I walk through the difficulties and I walk through the struggles, that I don't have to, that I don't have to be worried about death or be worried and be anxious about, about what's going on in this world all the time, that I can find hope that helps get me through this life because I know that this is not the end, that he's coming back to take me to be with him. Enoch's example can give us that hope. I love what the Apostle Paul said of the church in Philippi on this subject. He said this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glory. Anybody excited that your lowly body is going to be transformed? <laughs> Amen. Uh, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to, subject all, even to subject all things to himself. So what's this faith lesson teach us? That as I live by faith, it can fuel my hope in a life beyond this world. And then finally, I think Enoch's life of faith models for us a life centered on pleasing God rather than pleasing men. The priority that we need of pleasing God instead of pleasing men. There is a gravitational pull in all of our lives to get into people pleasing. And we've all been there. We've all got that t-shirt, haven't we? We've all gotten into trying to please people. And so what we see here in, in chapter 11 is Enoch, as he's described as being someone who lives his life, this life of faith, what he was commended for. He was recognized as one who pleased God that's how he's described. This week, I mentioned that Chris and I were out. We had the opportunity to go to a reunion of the 90s of the university that we graduated from uh, 30 years ago. We attended. And so we were there, and we, uh, and no, but it's in Oklahoma City. It's Mid-American Christian University. And by the way, some of you are probably wondering, did you go to the Banjo Hall of Fame? I mentioned that last week. I did not get to the Banjo Hall of Fame. Maybe next time. Uh, but I did get a chance to stand on the steps, at the top of the steps where Crystal's dorm was, 
And at the top of, of the steps, and some of you young people, if you're not married yet, you probably want to really pay attention to this because this is some good stuff right here. Uh, this, at the top of the steps, that was the place where I first asked Crystal out. And what I, this is, you might want to use this. I asked her to go get some peanut butter at Skaggs that was a grocery store in town. And of course, what girl can resist that invitation? Uh, and you, may, you guys are laughing. You think that's not a thing, but you know, it worked out pretty good for me. So if you want to borrow my my, my, you know, I was quite the player. If you want to borrow my, my approach, you feel free to do that, uh, that grand idea. But in that, in that time, that reunion time, we talked about, we had this session where we, people had just a chance to share with one another some, some stories or whatnot. And there were a lot of stories about the, you know, goofy dumb stuff that college students do. And so we shared some of those. But then what was really the most meaningful were those stories that we shared about our professors. This was a time in my life that I was studying for the ministry. And there were these professors that had given their lives to teach the next generation. And they could have made more money other places, and even then we knew that they, did, they had very little financially and monetarily in this, the world stuff. They had, they had chosen to be there, to in. To, to impact our lives. I remember Dr. Shelton. Dr. Shelton was, the, we, we used to joke around that he was Isaiah the prophet raised from the dead. Uh, he was this, this godly man. And he talked about how he'd gone on these archaeological digs in the Holy Land and he would show us these slides of his time in the Holy Land. And as he talked about scripture and he talked about, about God's word, he would start crying. And I still remember Dr. Shelton and his passion for the word he instilled in me as he lived a life pleasing God, investing in me. Or Dr. Brumfield and others that, that exhibited what it is to, to love Jesus and to walk with Christ and to, and to just exude the person and the, and the love of Christ in their lives. I was just taken back. And I want to be that. I, I want to be that kind of person. Are, are you that kind of person that, that isn't pulled into that space of trying to please people, but are we living our lives to please God as our singular focus? Nothing wrong with, with not hacking everybody off all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but my, my focus, my focus is on pleasing God. 1 Thessalonians chapter four, or 2 verse 4 for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Do you have the heart of Enoch? It was commended as someone who walked by faith, that, that, that walked in such a way that they pleased God. The heart of Paul that is described here, that this is who we are. This is what we do. This is how we live our lives. It is the way of Jesus. And the way of Jesus is having a purpose to please God. The scripture reminds us, as we look at it, what a life of faith is characterized by. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. We're going to pray in just a minute. And I, I told you if you were here and you'd never invited Christ to be your Savior that I wanted to give you a chance to do that. And as I pray in just a minute, I just invite you to pray with me and invite Christ to be your Savior. I know he's drawing people to himself. 
As we lift up the name of Jesus, he's drawing people. I would encourage you to take that step of faith. Or maybe you're not ready to take that step of faith, but just that you would take a step toward Christ. On this journey, I don't know where, where, where ultimately he has for you, but I know that one of the things on the journey that he wants you to do is to embrace him as Savior. You can text the word Jesus to 269-231-8692. That just starts a dialogue where we can send you some, some, uh, some things that are just helpful on a journey with Christ. We'd love, though, most importantly, to have a conversation with you. We've got some people that'd love to pray with you at the service. I'll be one of those. And we've got staff and other people that love to pray with you as you take that step of faith. Enoch models for all of us a life of faith, a life of what it looks like to put, to, to live in such a way that we, that we believe God, that that's, that's who we are, that I believe God as I walk with him, I believe God as I trust him, I live in obedience to him, I trust his word, and that results as I live that way in a life that pleases God that I believe what his word tells me, that just like Enoch walked with God and was not, that there's coming a day, whether it's Christ's return or that I draw my last breath on this earth. There's a heaven in store for me as I walk by faith. Be encouraged by that today. And I think as we conclude, we should just evaluate our walk. Are we ahead of Jesus? Are we behind Jesus? Maybe you look down today and you just recognize that you're really... You're walking not with Jesus, but you've got another whatever that you're walking with, and it's not Christ. And today would be the day that, to just give that to him. I invite you to stand. There's a song that we're going to sing, a final song that talks about abiding with him. And Father, as we sing this final song, I pray, God, that you would prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts as we think about abiding with you, to being grafted in, to be one with you, to walk with you, to believe you, to be transformed by you, to be renewed by you. And God, I thank you. There are people that you're drawing to your side today. And I pray for that person that for the first time maybe is just saying, yes, I want to embrace Christ as my Lord by faith. My, my Savior, I recognize my sin. I need to confess that. And I embrace your Son as my Savior today. God, thank you. That you are always up for forgiving and loving us and giving us grace, giving us that second, third, 475th chance. Thank you, God. For those of us who would say that we are walking with you, I pray, Father, you'd help us to see where we are, where you are, for walking beside you, ahead of you, behind you, whatever, God, I pray that you'd speak to us. And for all of us, God, I pray that you would encourage us with the hope that we have that this world is not our home, and no matter what junk is going on, that you will come again and that you'll take us to be with you. Thank you, Father. Be with us now as we worship you, as we sing about abiding with you. We pray in Jesus' name.